0: When I say the words, welcome, you've got mail. Did you get a little like skip of a heartbeat? Did you, do you feel any nostalgia for that? Does the sound of a dial up connection uh, just make you feel like, oh, those were the days. In some ways, yes, but in some ways, no. This is the beginning of the internet, and if you're like me, you do have a little bit of a a nostalgic feeling around this. And I'll never forget, in the summer of 1999, I found out about this little program called Napster. And it was this program that would let you download as many songs as fast as you possibly could on your mom's dial-up connection. Uh, Forget that I didn't have a CD burner or an MP3 player. Like Up to this point in my life, I had made $5.50 an hour working at a Christian bookstore, and I had to save up for a long time, uh, three weeks uh, worth sometimes, uh, just, to, just to make enough money to, to pay my bills and have enough left over for a whole CD album, which cost about 15 bucks at the time. But with Napster, I could download anything I want, any song I want, or just a couple songs. And I loved it. And years went by and, and Napster got into a big fight with, with Metallica and and the, the argument was like, okay, uh, a bunch of college kids like me were like, we don't have enough money to buy a whole album and you guys are rich anyway, so just let us have our fun. And Metallica's like, we want our control of our art. We're a huge band. It doesn't matter if we're rich or poor, you're still stealing from us. And that controversy went back and forth for a couple years and meanwhile i was still downloading all this music years and several laptops that i lost to computer viruses later Uh, my buddy and i were talking about our college buddies they had just came out with a new album a new worship album and my friend made this offhanded comment it wasn't even like directed at me was like, oh, I can't wait to go buy this album because I don't want to steal money from my friends. And like, I just felt like pinged by that comment. Like, oh, like, I think Ben is judging me. Like this self-righteous guy. Oh, I don't use Napster. I don't use file sharing software. I buy my albums. This guy. But really underneath it, I felt guilty and also underneath it, I was judging him because I perceived that he was judging me. So I had to like re-examine my world for a minute because like I had I had no problem with this. For years everyone was doing it. And once I got a CD burner, I mean, forget mixed tapes. You make a new album for a road trip and and also this this thing in my head, the recording that I would play. I'm a poor college student. Millions of people are doing it. Those artists are so rich. I believed these lies for years and years. And then after my friend Ben like kind of made me put the brakes on the whole thing, I spent the rest of that college summer following my grandfather around as he spoke at a different church every weekend about his book called Integrity. Like I was examining my own integrity and, and in that time, I stopped stealing files. I had to let them go. I had to delete the whole thing. I repented. It just wasn't worth it. I felt like every song that I downloaded was like giving away a little piece of my soul. So obviously my music collection, it shrunk drastically, but I got my integrity back. I got a piece of my soul back, and even though like in the court of public opinion, I was perfectly fine. All my friends around me were doing it. I could find millions of other Americans that would agree, oh, it's just a a little song here or there. Don't worry about it. I was still wrong. When right and wrong are defined by people's desires instead of God, well, Jesus calls that dynamic the world. And it's the third enemy of our soul that we're talking about. If you want to go back on YouTube, we've got this whole journey on there or on podcasts. The three enemies of our soul and the three enemies we need to fight in order to get our peace back are the devil, the flesh, and now we're going to start talking about what Jesus called the world. And I chose that example about file sharing and Napster and all that because uh, it doesn't like poke at us too much. <laughs> but um, uh, when Jesus talks about the world, he he's talking about a very specific thing. And the world, uh, especially in scripture, is a very flexible world. So let's define it before we start talking about it. Think about the word in English, ball. It could be a round object, it could be a fancy dance, or it could mean you're having a good time. And in scripture, when it says the world, it can mean the entire universe, like in Romans uh, chapter 1, verse 20, for God, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, he talks about people having no excuse, uh, the world in scripture can be a mass of people, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he loves all these people. But what I was talking about with file sharing and with what we're going to focus in on here, it's When scripture talks about the world, it's a flawed system of doing things. It's a broken system. It may have some truth to it. Uh, The world may have some points to it, but it's broken, it's sinful, and it falls short of God's glory. And Jesus had a lot to say about the world. In 1 John verse 2, uh, it says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. And it's one of, the world is an enemy to our peace when we live according to the world's ways of doing things. And here's how some scholars define the biblical definition of the world. Here's how they expand on it. Dallas Willard says, it's when our cultural and social practices that are under control of Satan and thus opposed to God. Are cultural and social practices that are under control of Satan and thus opposed to God. It's like, oh, it's just the way things are. Oh, it's the way things have always been. Everybody's doing it. When we live like that, we're living under cultural and normal practices that are under control of Satan. That's going to rob our peace. John Mark Comer, a pastor I've loved listening to, says, the world is what happens when a lot of people give in to their flesh and base animalistic desires are normalized. We see examples of this all over our, our world and our culture. The, the, there's these people just giving in, and, and Christians do it too. We give in to these fleshly desires, and then it just becomes normal. Normal. Uh, he also goes on to say that the world is the system of practices and standards associated with a secular society, attempting to live as if there is no God. Like that's what happens. The world is when people try to make their own rules and live like there's no there's no truth at all. And that leads us to today's text in first John chapter two, and we're going to start in verse fifteen. Jesus says, Don't set the affections of your heart on this world or in loving the things of the world. The love of the Father and the love of the world are incompatible. For all that the world can offer us, the gratification of our flesh, the allurement of the things of the world, and the obsession with status and importance, none of these things come from the Father but from the world The world and its desires are in the process of passing away, but those who love to do the will of God live forever. Now, a couple of observations about this passage that we need to catch because we're not the original recipients of this letter. So these areas of temptation that the world has to offer are the same areas of temptation that the serpent used with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden to to pull them away from God. Genesis 3 verse 6 says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, that's sight, and that the food was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So these are also like the flesh, the, the, the desire for status and wisdom and, and what's pleasing to the eye. It's the same thing that we've talked about a few weeks ago, the same areas that the devil tried to tempt Jesus with in the desert. If you wanna look it up, it's in Matthew chapter 4, verse one through 11. The world is what happens when Adam and Eve's sin runs rampant and it's normalized in society. This isn't new. <laughs> This has been around since the beginning of time. It feels like it's expanding to me. It's ramping up, and, and we see the results of it exponentially in society today, and we see the effects of it on our, on our phones and social media, and it's it, the noise of our culture, the, how how the sin has become rampant and normal in our society. It's our reality. It's also sneaky, because the real danger of this world is when it sneaks into our Christian practice, into our normal everyday living. And I, I, I'm in this too, I'm not, this isn't like a, a pointing at you. It's so easy to pride ourselves as being Christians and, and we don't do worldly things and we don't uh, go to worldly places, but we can still think worldly thoughts. We could say, like the Pharisees, well I've never had an affair. I've I've never cheated on my spouse. And that is great. But what's our what's your thought life like? What sort of images do you take in on the internet? Uh, we could say, I've never gone to, and you can pick out whatever, this bar or or that concert, or, or pick out your favorite thing. I've never I would never go some someplace like that. But we can let anger Come out when people disagree with us. That's worldly and speak to them out of a bad place, uh, unrighteous anger. We can be worldly, uh, dressed like uh, and with and, uh, worldly on the inside, and have a Christian exterior. We have to. What's our heart? What are we after? what are What are we What are we taking in? And what are we meditating on? Is it everything that's good and pure and true and right and honorable and noble? Or are we just thinking worldly thoughts with a little Christian exterior on it? Make no mistake about it, Jesus was very clear that saying the world is hostile to the faith. The world is hostile to the good news and it always has been. I would submit to you that the greatest threat that we actually face is not from the outside, from some regime or party or interest group. It's when the world's thinking gets inside of us as followers of Jesus and we start functioning and using the same methods as the culture around us. Uh, The world says it's okay to be greedy. The world says it's okay to just rage and and destroy people with your words or or other means and business. The world says self-control, what's even the point? Don't deny the things that you want. Don't suppress those. Uh, the world says, integrity? No, no. If the means justify the ends, just go for it. John challenges us to point our affections away from the world and how the world does things and what the world has to offer. How do we do that? How do we set our affections on on the kingdom of God, things that, that are in the system? The, the, I would define the kingdom of God as where things work like they're supposed to and you and I as we as we live our life and we live in community we're supposed to be examples of how to be the kingdom of God in this world. And how do we how do we start? Well first of all, we have to ground our identity in what God says about us. That's what Jesus used his main weapon against the devil in the desert. He knew who he was. He could stand up to tem- temptation. How do we how do we set our affections uh, on the world, on away from the world, and onto Jesus and on the things God cares about? It? We leverage our time. How? Just it's a very scary practice to look at your cell phone, uh, whether it's Android or Apple or whatever. There's always some sort of uh, screen time breakdown. Where are we where are we investing our attention? Jesus says, wherever your heart goes, wherever your attention is, your heart will follow that. What are we putting into our hearts? Where are those sources coming from? Is it from God? Or is it from worldly inputs? Uh, what are we doing with our resources? Uh, are, they, are they helping out kingdom kingdom projects, things that God cares about? Or are we functioning like the world functions and says, I've gotta protect what's mine. I've got to, I've got, there's not enough in the world. That's a worldly mindset and it's a lie that there's not enough. Say, I'm gonna trust God with everything that I have. We can, we can start to, to bend our affections, as we, as we take an inventory, we can give those affections by, by leveraging our time, our talents, and our resources, and pointing those towards Jesus. Yeah, it's like the old feelings follow behavior deal. Like, you may not uh, know that maybe your affections are, you, you're like wanting to be in the world, but as you start doing some of these things, you may start to notice your heart change. And like, oh, the things that used to bug me so much, ah, they're not, they're not bugging me. It's a slow and incremental change. We also have ways of, of making sure that our heart's in the right place and our affections are in the right place. And they're not in the world by good old spiritual disciplines of prayer bible scripture reading scripture meditation uh, coming together and and meeting with other people who know god Uh, we have serving together Uh, like i mentioned before giving how about forgiving people anything the world says don't forgive remember it they're going to get you again jesus would say no you need to forgive you don't forgive and forget there needs to be proper boundaries but we're not supposed to hold grudges for years and years and years. You need to let those things go. Um, engaging, maybe, maybe you're far away and you can't gather with us in person or, or, or there's some dynamics going, but just even engaging here, leaving a comment, uh, reaching out to somebody online, reaching out to us for prayer. Uh, that's a spiritual discipline that helps redirect your affections away from the world and onto the bigger picture. Or maybe just in a time of prayer, getting before God and saying, God, I give you control back of like we ever had control of our life. But giving God back control, my life is yours. God, here it is. When we, when we intentionally redirect our affections away from this world and these worldly things and worldly concerns, yes, we've got to take care of business. But when we redirect our affections, it gives us the proper Perspective. And there's a huge benefit to having the proper perspective when it comes to your affections. Uh, Jesus, or John says that those who love to do the will of God live forever. It's like eternal things that don't pass away. And we can start enjoying that eternal life right now, that we won't always be bogged down by anxiety, anger, rage, fear, depression. Jesus says, that's not for you. Those are worldly concerns. I can help with those. But we, we can't get rid of those things without taking the baby step of asking God to give us the perspective, the eternal perspective, but also realizing that we can't get freedom from those things when we're playing by the world's rules and believing the lies that the world says, this is what the good life is. Now Jesus' idea of that is completely upside down from what the world says is the good life. So, doesn't, uh, God doesn't tell us to just let go of everything and just do without. Whenever you give something to God or give something up for Jesus because you're following him, Jesus gives you something better. Jesus gives you that, what scripture calls about as irrational peace, the peace that surpasses all understanding. I've been thinking a lot about how Jesus offers us so much more than this world has to offer. I've been thinking about how much I get tied up in these little tiny concerns. They're big to me. And I want to be clear. Jesus cares about what you care care about. But we can get so much of our peace back when we take our eyes off of these worldly concerns and think about the big picture. You know, I was so focused on, on getting new music when I was a college kid and getting it for free. And I was saying, I'm gonna do it the way the world does it. And I was missing out. I was missing out on the benefit of my soul growing and experiencing uh, a life walking in integrity. I was accepting a poor substitute. When we do that, it's like we're focusing on like a little tiny piece of our house and letting it wreck our whole lives. Maybe. Maybe uh, the last week, my kitchen faucet broke. the The screwed thing just rusted off of the faucet, snapped right in two, and it took my, my it took hours and many trips to the hardware store to fix this uh, to fix this kitchen sink. And it was, it was a vital need that I had, but. I didn't let it wreck my whole life. I didn't say like, oh, I'm, a per- I'm not a person of worth and value because of my inability to fix the sink in a single bound. Like when we, when we focus in on this little part of our house and say, this is my whole reality. No, the reality is that we live in a God created universe that's ever expanding and when we, when we do th- things the way the world says we're supposed to do them, when we believe the lies of the world, it narrows our focus into a minute little section of the universe. And the world wins. We lose our peace. And that's not God's will for you. That's not God's dream for your life. God wants you to have a big picture that enables you to say, okay, I'll be honest, this little part of my life isn't going the way I want it to go. If I were in control of this little part of my life, it would be a lot different. At the same time, look at this universe that God has created. Look at this big story that I get to be a part of. And I just want to challenge you that as you go throughout your week and you, you hear lies uh, from the world, maybe it'll be on your radar this week. And I want you to just even starting now, every day, ask God help me to discern between the world's ways of doing things and Jesus' way of things, way of doing things. And uh, let's take a moment right now, just to ask God to search your heart, uh, take an inventory of your heart. Anywhere that that the world's influence has crept into your living, maybe it has a a, a nice Christian coating on it, but you you're just sensing right now that at the core, it's not true. It's not good and pure and true and right. And let's ask God for the strength to let those things go and to to turn in another direction and to move away from the, the way the world does things. So join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask for your help as only you can that you would open our eyes to the truth and beauty of your kingdom. God, would you open our ears to hear you calling our name, that we would get our, our worth and value and our identity from who you say we are. And God, would you please make us a shining light. And for those things, God, that we are, that we are so wrapped up in, so worried about, so angry about, we know those things, there's a real concern there. But God, will you give us the, your perspective when it comes to those things, and take us through the challenges that we're facing, and give us perspective on the hard things that we're going through, as only you can. We humbly give them to you in this moment. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name we pray, amen. Well, Thank you for joining us, we love you. Until we're together again, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at sgbic.com. Let us know how you're doing, we love to journey with you. And until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.